0: Thanks for listening to the Sermons Podcast by Calvary Orthodox Presbyterian Church in Harrisville, Pennsylvania. Our purpose is to spread the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. If you'd like to know more about us, check us out at harrisvilleopc.org. This morning I have uh, two texts to read. I'm, just, I'm going to read Romans from Romans 8, verses 28 to, uh, it says 30, yes, I'll, I'll stick there and then go to Proverbs 16. Where I'll focus in on Proverbs 16, verse, verse 9. Uh, Timothy Keller uh, said of wisdom that wisdom is the ability to make wise choices and right choices or decisions. Uh, Your choices and your decisions that you make can make or break your life. They can certainly cause a lot of uh, charm or a lot of aggravation. And, of course, we know that, uh, as I pointed out before, when you, uh, you decide what is right from what is wrong, you don't have to actually experience the wrong and the consequences of doing wrong or choosing wrong in order to know that something is wrong. And God tells us in his word what is right right from what is wrong. And we should listen to that. And that's the better part of wisdom, to know the difference between right, right, and wrong, without having to go through the hard experience of doing wrong and its consequence. The young people today that are going to be coming up here in a little bit are making a wise choice, a very, very wise choice. And the reason why I say that is because they are more bringing themselves in alignment with uh, God based on the teaching of the Scriptures. For example, in Romans chapter 8. You can uh, listen to that now. From Romans chapter 8, verses 28 to 30. where of the Apostle writes, of fami- it's a familiar word to many of us, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he called; whom he called, them he justified; and whom he justified, them he also glorified. And then going to uh, to Proverbs sixteen, verse nine. A man's heart devises his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Now, God has given all of us the ability to make good decisions and bad ones. Wise versus unwise choices. And the extended version of that is plans, right? We are able to make wise plans or foolish plans. And the difference between making choices and plans is uh, that choices are often made in the moment for the moment. Not always, but often. And to extend that into the future, we make plans. And so plans are oftentimes with an eye to the future. It might only be plans for a day or a week or a month. It could be plans for a life. The problem with making a plan, devising a plan for our life, or making a choice between right and wrong, making a decision, The problem is that when we do such things, we oftentimes forget God. God is really nowhere to be found until maybe later on. Verse 9 teaches us that God is sovereign even in all the affairs of men, women, boys, and girls. Yes, even the young make choices... And they plan for their future, either in the short run or the long term. So, what kind of bike am I going to? Do I like and will ride around? In a short while, turns into uh, what car will I will I buy or choose to drive? Will I continue my education and go on to college to make, a, or or will I make? A, make myself learn a trade, become a skilled carpenter, a plumber, electrician, auto mechanic, whatever. But in all those choices and decisions and plans, you and I must ask ourselves, have I remembered God, remembering to submit my will to his sovereign will, since his will be done Mine, not so much. Certainly the idea is hinted at in verse 9. A man's heart devises his way, but the Lord directs his steps. You and I will do well to remember the Scottish poet Robert Burns, whose famous quote, the best laid plans of mice and men often go awry. Meaning, in a word, life gets in the way. Meaning, man plans, but God directs. Man proposes, but God disposes. Uh. Reverend Keller argues that does not mean that our plans are 50% our own and 50% God's. No, it's 100% and 100%. We are 100% engaged in our plan, and so is God. The idea is that he who uh, loved him, uh, and we who love him, who died for us, must submit our entire life, will and all to him, and have him direct the course of our life. If you do not want to, well, because you want to do it your way, as the song goes. I want to do it my way. That's rebellion and could prove very costly. If you do not wish to trouble yourself learning his will for your life, like reading the scriptures and studying the scriptures and meeting with others and fellowshipping with others and going to worship and praying on a regular basis and on it goes, becoming a member, a communicant member in the Church of Jesus Christ and all that stuff, if you don't really care about all that, you may live a normal life with plenty of upset. The peace of God that passes human understanding will pass you by. Guaranteed, you will It just pass you by. Kicking against the goad. Because God's plan is working, no matter what you think, no matter what you do, no matter what you decide. God's plan is working. And uh, it's, so it's kicking against the goad, if you go against it. And that's not a very comfortable way to journey, for even a dumb animal knows that. How dumb are we to do it without God? Father, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Father, have your will my will. Have our wills in, in, in harmony? Is my will in harmony with God's will? Is what I'm doing and desiring to achieve in my life God's will? Is it in harmony with His will or not? These youngsters are about to vow in in summary that I promise to submit my will and ways to my Father which art in heaven in the name of Jesus according to the grace and power of the Holy Spirit. And then they will go forth to make their plans with the help of their parents and their teachers and so on with the attitude that I am going to do the best I can to bring glory to my Father in heaven by this grace. They will continue forward in life to discover, as many of us who are a little older have already discovered, that things do not always go as planned. And that's okay, because I know that God is with me and his plan is working itself out through me and with me just fine. As difficult as it is to submit sometimes, I will do so in reliance on the grace of God. And that's a tall promise for these young people to make. Young people, yes, I'm speaking to you, but to all of us as well. I want you to consider a story that is well-known by most young people and sort of the elderly as well. And it has to do with Job. You remember the story of Job in this particular instance, in the beginning of the, of the, the book. Where we read, And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in thy power only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. And there was a day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest eldest brother's house. And there came a messenger unto Job and said, the oxen were plowing, the asses feeding beside them, and the Sabeans fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. And while he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The fire of God has fallen from heaven and has burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. And while he was yet speaking, there came another and said, The Chaldeans <clears throat> made out three bands and fell upon the camels and have carried them away, yea, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. And while he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their elder, eldest brother's house, And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young men, and they are now dead. I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Then Job arose, rent his mantle, shaved his head, fell down upon the ground and worshipped and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord, the Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And in all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Now I'm not going to ask you if you have that same attitude. But I will ask you this. Did Job plan any of this for his life? I mean he was a man of God, my righteous servant God, whom uh, whom I love, Job, the righteous the, the most righteous man in all the earth. I love Job and he loves me. Did Job plan any of this for his life in all his plans? Nope. And in the lives of his children, did they plan any of it? I assure you, he did not, they did not. Not at all. No such plan. Yet, we read that he submitted without fully understanding, without full understanding, he submitted, though with enough of a faith to say in the midst of terrible hardship and heartbreak, heartache, The Lord has given, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Our text, Proverbs 16, verse 9, also verse 3, says, Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. Verse nine: A man's heart devises his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Tim Keller uh, argues that, according to these verses, and many more like them scattered through Proverbs and other places as well, man's will and responsibility is a hundred percent intact. Man has his, his mind, his will. He makes choices, decisions. He's totally responsible. And God's sovereignty, sovereign will, is also 100% intact. That's what it seems to be saying in verses 9 and also verse 3, among many others. Seems to be a contradiction, right? Man is totally responsible for all that he desires, that he chooses. His plans and all that stuff. And God is totally in control. He's totally sovereign. Sounds like a contradiction, right? I think uh, (coughs) that Reverend Keller goes a bit too far, though, in my humble opinion, saying man's will is absolutely free. And God's sovereign will is absolutely established. And it's true that God's will is absolutely established in the scriptures, and it's also true that man is absolutely responsible before God for all his choices and his decisions that he makes in his daily life, apart from grace. Once you add grace to that, and the soul's eyes are open and all, there's something going on there. But everyone else makes decisions apart from grace and all that stuff. They're totally responsible for them. What I have trouble with of what Keller says uh, is uh, the absolutely free will part of his statement. Now, I repeat that is, it, it is in my humble opinion I disagree with Reverend Keller. Who am I to disagree with Dr. Keller? I'm a blade of grass in comparison to an oak tree. And I'm certain Dr. Keller, were he alive, would agree that I am just a puny human compared to him. Actually, I kid because uh, Tim Keller was a godly man and uh, I believe a humble Christian man. But I do not stand alone with my disagreement. And I would remind him and others and us of Jonathan Edwards' seminal work, his treatise on free will. Edwards explains, explains that man's will to choose always depends upon something. Always. There is no such thing as a spontaneous free will. A, a, a will that just comes out of a vacuum with no attachment whatsoever. A free choice completely. No such thing. A person always chooses what he most strongly desires at the time of his choosing. Even if it's the difference between, like, I'm going to wear a black suit to the funeral because that is appropriate attire for a funeral. I'm not going to wear my new Hawaiian shirt. It's just the desire, the decision is always made dependent upon what we strongly desire at the time of choice, no matter what the decision is. There's an attachment. So it's not absolutely free. It is certainly not a spontaneous thing, coming like spontaneous generation coming out of nothing. And besides this, man was created lapsable, meaning that he could and would fall into sin. The prison house of evil, it would be binding to his soul, Adam and Eve and all of their posterity, all of us. It would would bind to us all this sin that keeps us, our souls, in bondage to it, imprisoned. And it frames all of our decisions and our choices and our plans. So then God would say, immediately after the, the fall, and well, not, almost immediately after, but after the fall and even after the flood, that the thoughts and imaginations of the heart of man are only evil continually from his birth. Only evil continually. That's what the Bible says. What about the prophet Jeremiah who says this? There's so many scriptures, and you know, I, I just don't want to continue to, to read scripture uh, and pile on, but uh, Jeremiah 13, verse 23, very familiar text to many of us. Can the Ethiopian change his skin? Can the leopard his spots? Then may ye also do good that are accustomed to do evil? From the very womb to the tomb, the thoughts and the imaginations of our heart are only evil. Can you change that? Apart from God's grace, can you change that? The answer is absolutely not. Dr. Keller moves on, however... Uh, to give an astute argument against the worldly's rebuttal of uh, opposing the sovereignty of God. The unbelieving argue if man has a free will and yet is held responsible for his choices and decisions, that, that doesn't mix, that doesn't match. God cannot be totally sovereign. If man has a free will and is totally responsible for his own decisions, then God can't be sovereign, right? For if he were totally sovereign and in control of anything, the man's will doesn't matter. He holds no sway and no control over his own destiny but is moved along if God is sovereign. Doesn't then whatever man does doesn't matter, right? He's moved along. He's, a, he's not in control of his destiny. He's moved along like a puppet on a string. Things are either basically set or things are free and open. Christians can't have it both ways, the unbelieving world says. Man is either free, self-determined, or God determines everything. You can't have both. That's what they say. So then, uh, Dr. Keller says, let's uh, let's go to literature. And he first goes to the legend or the myth of uh, Oedipus, the Greek god of Thebes. Remember that story? Maybe not. But I'll remind you, when Oedipus was born, the Delphic Oracle said that he was going to kill his father and marry his mother. This was his fate. You can't go against the oracle. You can't go against fate. doesn't matter. That's fate. You're going to kill your father. You're going to marry your mother. Uh, well, he found out about this later on. He actually goes, oh, he heard about this. Oracle that said that. And so he did everything he possibly could to to go against that. He didn't want to kill his father and marry his mother. And he went against that. And everything he said and everything he did went against it. And yet, winds up killing his father and marrying his mother. In spite of every effort and all his choices, his destiny was fixed. His choices had no connection to his destiny. That's the idea of fate. F-A-T-E. Not you know, my New York, sometimes you hear it different things. Or consider another famous uh, figure in modern day history, Marty McFly. Remember Marty McFly of uh, Back to the Future fame? At the end of the trilogy of movies... Doc Brown explains the message of these profound set of movies. And proudly, he advises Doc Brown, probably advises Marty and his friend there. Your future is whatever you make it, so make it a good one. That's the message of the trilogy Back to the Future. Your future is whatever you make it. Make it a good one. Oh, by the way, I took my new bride to the movie on our honeymoon. Back to the Future just came out. Brand new. I took her out. Now she knew she married the right man, I thought. (laughs) well, forget about that. Returning to uh, Earth and reality. We We did see that movie, by the way, but... That's not why she thinks she's married the right man. I hope not. I hope not. (laughs) We're in trouble then. Uh, Return uh, then to the first principle, the first example concerning the fate of King uh, Oedipus. That instructs us, according to the world, and sadly some Christians, that the thought of predestination, or what they term determinism, is atrocious. Atrocious. That means horrifyingly wicked. No matter what I do or not, no matter what I believe or not, no matter what I decide, will, and wish, doesn't matter. I am to be carried along in life by the whim of the gods to who knows where. In the Marty McFly example, Back to the Future, that teaches a much more likable and popular scenario. I can do anything I set my mind to do. Right? I can achieve any goal I aim at. I am in control of my destiny. Sound familiar? I can do all things through me that strengthens myself. I am the captain of my vessel. I am master of my destiny. I believe with the Greek philosopher Protagoras, 5th century Greek philosopher, who said, man is the measure of all things. Hallelujah, praise humanity. That is very popular today in our society and in other societies as well, and probably even to some Christians. Think they're in control. But God is nowhere to be found in the daily thought of most people. Such ideas and beliefs in fate, me, myself, and I, materialism, humanism, they all fly in the face of Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation. But they don't care, they're not interested. They're not interested in what the Bible says. They're interested in their own belly. And it shows, unfortunately, in our society today, more than one way. Our Lord would have us realize that our Father in heaven is not only transcendent, that is beyond, but he's also imminent he is present here and now and concerning god's people he is also intimate he is in relationship with them he is involved in our every every aspect of our lives he is near us to uh, he is he is in us he's to guide us and to strengthen us and to secure us His intentions towards us are always, always good. And he loves us everlastingly. Even though the circumstances and the situation surrounding say something different. Now, believe this, young people. He is present now especially where and when his people worship. He's here. He's intimately, he has a relationship with us. He is uh, forming us into more and more the image of his dear son, in the likeness of his dear son. And so he is transforming our minds and our hearts and our wills to him, to his. It's not just an either or, it's both. It's and. Yes, I'm responsible. And yes, he's sovereign. And he's going to make me more responsible than ever to do his will and work out his good pleasure because he is intimately involved in my every thought, word. Indeed. now I believe as do the members of session as do your parents talking to your youngsters now about to come up as do the members and friends of this congregation that your hearts are pure in this matter before us today I sincerely believe that and I think I speak for the rest We believe with you that, your intent, that you intend to put Christ first in your life. Will you fail to do that sometimes? Yes, we all do. But we are together in this, iron sharpening an iron, as the proverb says. And God would have us know... These, these scriptures to so un- try to understand them better in Proverbs that I read you, Proverbs chapter 16 verses 3 and 9 and Romans chapter 8 that God's working all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to the purpose not the good of those who do not they're in trouble but to us all things the good things and the not so good things that happen to us in our lives and in the lives of the loved ones it's all going to work out to good be patient God has a plan, and his plan cannot fail. And it includes not only our salvation in a word, but our glorification. Be patient. But young people, are you going to mess up? you think you're going to mess up in your life? Yeah, you will. You will. Are you going to make bad choices and wrong decisions? Without a doubt, you're going to do that. Well some of your plans go awry, you can count on it. You don't you don't control the future and you don't know it. You can count on it. Plans you make today will not necessarily pan out tomorrow. We all know that. I may fail, but God may not. I may fall short, come up wanting, but my heavenly father lacks in no good thing. His plan for me is heaven's glory. And he promises that I will lose not one of my own. Not one will be lost. So, let us align ourselves with him every day through prayer. Let our every thought, word, and deed be beneath his control. And whether we eat or drink or decide and plan whatsoever we do, do it all to the glory of God in the name of Jesus Christ by the power and operation and work of the Holy Spirit. Consider your ways and do your best, seeking God's approval above all others. Trust him first and last. Leave off worry knowing that the outcome of your life is set, not in stone. The outcome of your life, dear people, is set, not in stone though, but in God's heart. Commit yourself to the Lord. And by this, I do not mean make a deal with God. I've tried that and it has horrified my soul God, I'll trust you if you bless me. My, oh, my. My, oh, my, that's terrible. That's terrible to do. Don't make deals with God. Don't make deals with him. There are some scriptures that point about that, but generally speaking, we don't make deals with God. I'll trust you, Lord, then give me a blessing. The Hebrew word, by the way, in verse 3 of Proverbs chapter 16, commit, it means to roll over upon, to place all your weight upon him. That's what the word commit means, literally. To roll over on him, commit, put all your weight uh, upon him. It is to say, Lord, I commit my thoughts, my deeds, my choices, my plans to you, come what may that's what I say but a better way to say is as John Newton said Lord I trust you you know I made a decision I made a plan and I trust you give me what you will when you will how you will just like Job give me what you will when you will, and how you will. So you are each about to, uh, young people, to honor God with your confession. And what does he promise through the prophet Samuel? That he who honors me, I will honor. Let us pray. Heavenly Lord, we are about to do this now, to have these three young people make a commitment before you before you and, and your people. And we ask that you would bless them. in this wonderful decision, a very good decision, a godly decision, yes. It is their own, but it is, and if I may say so, Lord, inspired by you. It's certainly something, according to your word, that we should do. And so now lead us. In the remainder of this service, lead us. In the way we should go, in Jesus' name. Amen.